Welcome back to Your Average Witch, where every Tuesday we talk about witch life, witch stories, and sometimes a little witchcraft. It's Taurus season, and as a reminder, I'm taking the month of May off since I'm a Taurus. I remastered some of the most popular episodes from season one so you can actually hear them, and I even included some new stuff that I cut out the first time. I talked to Corey B. of Corey's Cauldron, pre-Cauldron. He spins some ghost stories, and we talk about inclusivity and witchcraft. Now let's get to the stories. Welcome, Corey. Hello. It's, it's good to have you on the show. I just yeah. clapped. I will probably have to edit that out later. <laughs> <laughs> no shame. I have no control over my body or mouth. <laughs> I mean, who does anymore, really? <laughs> Corey is a witch in the Appalachian region, and he is the official tweeter of the Witch Bitch Amateur Hour. <laughs> Would you like to tell everybody what your Twitter Twitter handle is? Yeah. Um, so my Twitter handle is Corey G. Bowles. It's C-O-R-E-Y-G-B-O-W-L. Um, that is my name. <laughs> um, and really on Twitter, the most thing that you'll see me tweet about is um, like just kind of witchy podcasts or just random stuff that kind of comes into mind or even me just like interacting with people that I went to high school with. Um, (laughs) But yeah, that's pretty much the biggest thing. I'm also on Instagram with the same handle. Um, I'm vastly inactive on Instagram, um, but you will see me dressed up as a drag clown nun or pictures of me doing smoke cleansing, um, very like hashtag witchy aesthetic stuff. Um, just kind of for fun whenever I remember to actually do so. So there's that. (laughs) What does it mean when you call yourself a witch? What does that mean to you? Um, so for me, it's more of like understanding, um, kind of how nature works within itself and how we as people kind of fit within that puzzle of, nature um and also like respecting kind of things that we do understand and things that we don't necessarily understand um and kind of recognizing um like that there are forces at work that we don't necessarily see um that there's cosmic connections and it's kind of my job as a witch to recognize that connection and honor it and kind of work within those intertwined systems um, as kind of like a way of respecting what the universe has provided to me, but also what I can provide to the universe. Ooh. Yeah. I thought about that one a lot. I see you biting off JFK there. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't mean to. That was entirely unintentional. (laughs) Great minds. Great minds. (laughs) Now, when I think of a witch in my head, it's generally a woman. Mm -hmm. And as a masculine presenting person, how do you feel about that? How do you think of yourself? How do people interact with you? Yeah. Um, so that's definitely something that is kind of a big challenge, right? Like, so, um, first and foremost, just kind of like for sake of kind of everyone listening, I am non-binary. Uh, my pronouns are he, him, or they, them, um, which we can also get to here in a little bit. Cause it goes a little bit more broad than that. 
Um, but there is kind of a disconnect for me, um, kind of in the community where a lot of times, like even in like Facebook groups, right. Whenever someone addresses the group as a whole, a lot of times it's like, all right, ladies, or Mm -hmm. like, they they kind of have implied feminine characteristics for kind of what's in their head. Um, and a lot of that has to do kind of like with like cultural and societal upbringing, but also like it's hard as someone who presents masculinely, but is also non-binary because I don't really feel specifically like a man or a woman. And like, if people kind of ask me directly, like, what's your gender identity? Like, are you a man or are you a woman? Uh, Cause it's usually how it goes. Um, Rude. I always tell them that I'm neither and both at the same time. Um, because like, to me, whenever I think of myself, like whenever I picture myself in my head, like there's not like a gender association. It's kind of just like, I am a ball of energy and that's kind of like what I see in my head. Um, and then like, <laughs> what I lovingly call my meat suit um, is just like kind of for decoration. Um, and so like I will dress myself however I want and kind of not really associate any of the clothing that I'm wearing as like specifically man or woman. <clears throat> that being said, I am a chubby, very hairy individual with a beard. Um, and the majority of what I wear is like, jeans and a t-shirt so it like to that from the outside looking in it looks very like mask presenting um and i totally accept that like i'm down for that um because then i also have my drag clown nun persona which is my sister persona who's very feminine um and so i kind of honor both of those within myself but like for my pronouns like if i'm talking to someone who um kind of has a more rigid ideology of what gender and gender stereotypes are supposed to look like. I'll tell them that my pronouns are he, him, or they, them. But if someone is kind of in the queer community or um, kind of has a more solid uh, foundation for gender ideas and gender concepts, I'll actually tell them that my pronouns are any pronoun with respect. Um, And part of that is, is like, and I'm sure that I'll do it at some point during this interview. uh, I'll refer to myself as she all the time. Like, it's just, it's something that I do. Um, It's not really anything that I think about. It's not like a negative connotation for me or anything like that. It's just, I will refer to myself as the spectrum of pronouns um, without even really thinking about it because they all just kind of feel correct for me. Um, But with being a witch and kind of being a queer masculine presenting person a lot of times like i like i'll read in books like generally specifically written by women that are like women can do this and only women can do this if a man does this (laughs) then it's not allowed and it's like as someone who's reading this i'm like wow thanks for kind of like thanks for narrowing down my entire experience to the fact that i have a penis completely (laughs) discounting me (laughs) right and like so i um one of the deities that i follow is hecate and um like i to this point have not found a book that is not specifically feminine focused and there's nothing wrong with that but whenever like you're reading something it's very clear that they're not a lot of times they're not taking into consideration that trans people are going to read this. 
Like they're not taking into consideration that queer people are going to read this. And so or it they makes are. it really hard. They do. Yeah. Lisa Lister. And they're purposely not talking to you. They're not including you on right. purpose. Right, right, exactly. I and cringe every time you. somebody brings that book up or suggests it. I cringe. Yeah. yeah. Like, and it's, it makes it hard because it's like, I mean, queer people kind of live in this limbo area a lot of times where it's like, we a lot of times have feminine and masculine traits and a lot of queer people are trying to honor both of those systems. And I'm not saying all queer people are trying to do that because that's not necessarily the case, but like, I mean, I know a lot of queer men and queer women who feel like kind of masculine energies and feminine energies within themselves. So then whenever they go out to try to do like ritual kind of honoring those kind of, opposite assigned um, energies a lot of times they're met with kind of not friendly resources um and it's really alienating i think that that's something that like is what we would need to address kind of like as a witch community especially like as the witch community grows right like mm-hmm. i mean i know that you and charlie talked about this where like i mean in the past i would even say five years like the witch community has just blossomed which is amazing but there's still a lot of resources and a lot of um, like tools and stuff like that that we use and that we kind of reference that aren't friendly to all people. It's very like exclusive and there are closed practices and closed practices should be closed practices. I don't want to like discredit that. Um, <clears throat> but whenever we're talking to a group of people, like we should address the entire group. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's the part that I really struggle with. Um, and and then and then on top of that it gets really difficult because like as a feminist <laughs> I'm like I'm not trying to kind of impose what could Keep be perceived <laughs> right right exactly like I'm not trying to impose what could be perceived as a man's voice in like one of the very few female dominated fields but at the same time like it's we not being inclusive you. right right exactly it's not being inclusive um and it's so it's hard because I want to like I'm trying to respect the fact that like women and female identifying people don't have a lot of spaces that can just be theirs. But then here I am as a non-binary person who presents masculinely. And I'm like, Hey, while I understand where you're coming from, (laughs) right, right. Exactly. Like I understand where you're coming from, but also like, it would be really great if like, you didn't just perceive me as a man. (laughs) (laughs) Well, in my opinion, feminis- feminism mm-hmm. isn't about female superiority. It's about equality. Right. right. And like, and th- that's one of the like amazing things that I love about the current iteration of feminism. And quite, I've heard quite a few feminists like who are specifically practicing intersectional feminine, f- excuse me, intersectional feminism. Um, they'll like flat out be like, if it ain't intersectional, it's not feminism. And like, hold firm on it. And I'm just like, <laughs> yes. <laughs> now, on top of being a masculine presenting person and being mm-hmm. gay, you mm-hmm. also do drag. I do. Um, so, and this is like, this is always the fun part whenever I try to explain it to people. <laughs> um, so I'm a drag clown nun. 
That's uh, I remember when I first <laughs> got introduced to you in the group mm-hmm. and I thought, what is happening? <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah. So um and that's that's how I introduce it to people because like I'll kind of give you a spiel in just a second, but drag clown nun is very like attention grabbing, but it yep. also really, really explains what it is that I do. <laughs> um, so like it works perfectly. Um, so I'm a sister of perpetual indulgence. And what that is, is we are a um, 501c3. So we're a nonprofit specifically geared towards LGBT individuals. Um, and, we raise money for other nonprofits, but also we have a lot of education and outreach kind of built into our mission as well. And our mission is we are here to promulgate joy and expiate stigmatic guilt. What that means, kind of because that's a lot of like $5 words very quickly. Yeah, I was thinking um, that. Dang, <laughs> yeah. dang yo. <laughs> right, right. So, but like what that means is so we go out into society kind of looking as atypical as possible. And what that does is that actually creates space for people who don't necessarily feel comfortable being themselves. And so there's it's act, there's actually psychology behind it. I don't know if the psychology was in mind whenever we were kind of founded. Um, however, like after taking a few psychology classes, there's actually something that happens with people where if someone is kind of being like loud and awkward, it actually gives you permission subconsciously to be yourself because someone is already being the weird person in the room. So you can't be weirder than that. So whatever (laughs) you do is totally fine. That is magnificent. Yeah. So like, I I wonder how many times I've been that person. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's, that's my thing, right? Because like, I'm, I'm forever the weird person in the room anyways, because like, I'm loud, I'm obnoxious, I have ADHD. So I'm flitting all over the place. And so really, all I did was I just slapped a bunch of grease paint on my face through, (laughs) through a plastic plate with forks on my head, and then just like go out into societies myself. (laughs) So it's perfect. I love it. (laughs) Um. But then, like, so then we talk about kind of like that aspect because there is so the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence, it's um, like it's a parody on the Catholic Church, right? So we have sisters, we have popes, we have brothers, like it's a whole thing. Um, there's also <laughs> actually witchy ceremony associated with the organization, too. Hmm. Yeah. Um, so there's actually an organization, well, I guess it's an organization. I just know it's a group of people um, called the fairies, um, which is a thing like human people who call them like the radical fairies. I'm sorry. They're called the radical fairies. Um, And it's a group of queer people who practice magic. Um, And it's kind of, did you just call them human people first? (laughs) I did. That was entirely (laughs) unintentional. That was me rambling for a moment. I apologize about that. Yes, they are in fact, human and people. (laughs) I mean, you might be having, you might know of an organization of, of the Fae that I don't know about. <laughs> right, very true. <laughs> um, but yes, they're they're hu- they're human mens. Um, <laughs> I didn't even catch that. Thank you for that. Um, so the Radical Fairies are a group of just like queer witches, essentially, um, and they kind of have some political standing, but mostly their focus is on witchcraft and magics. Um. So part of the founders of the 
sisters of perpetual indulgence were actually radical fairies. And so some of those ceremonies actually carried over. And the biggest ceremony that we do um, is sacred glitter blessings. Ooh. Yes. Oh, it's wonderful. So semi-nightmarish, but also really fun to look at from a distance for me. It's it's slightly nightmarish because there's glitter involved. Yeah, that's, I, I don't want that, but okay. I want to see it. Have it to someone else. Um, so, so the sacred glitter itself is um, they're depending on. So, I'm about to go into a lot of terminology, so I want to explain everything before I do. Um, so. Houses are essentially chapters, and there are. I last I checked, I think there were forty or no, there were fifty-eight chapters. Dang, um, it's kind of like across the United States, and we even actually have some chapters abroad. Um, so it's a worldwide organization. Um, but uh, each chapter, each house has to kind of go through. Um, a process to become part of the organization as a whole. At the end of that, you have um, an exequator, which is just a celebration of the end of your process and kind of recognition that you are a fully fledged house or chapter. And so part of that is that generally people will do a sacred glitter blessing or a sacred glitter ceremony where they actually create the house's glitter and it's made in perpetuity. So there's generally someone who is at your exequator who has sacred glitter from previous exequators and previous glitter ceremonies. And it's like this giant like jar and they empty this giant jar into an even like even more giant bowl. And then everyone who's there contributes to that bowl like either glitter or something of power or ashes themselves from like a sacrificial fire. And then all of that gets mixed up and then it gets redistributed to the people who are there. And then whatever is left is put back into the jar and then they'll add some more ashes, like more sacred ashes and more glitter to that themselves. And then like kind of go on to the next exequator. Hmm. Um, which then means like every house has kind of like a starter seed essentially. Mm -hmm. Um, and they'll dump those ashes into like their house ashes. And then like that energy will be imbued within those and then kind of like keep going that energy and kind of that ceremony. Um, so, and then like each individual sister can kind of have their own sash of sacred glitter. And like for me, for example, I have some from our exequator. Um, so it's ashes from um, every exequator before it, but it also has brick dust from um, pulse from the pulse night shooting pulse nightclub shooting. Mm -hmm. um, there is uh Dust from the Stonewall Inn in New York. There's uh, dirt from the uh, San Francisco um, HIV AIDS Pink Triangle. Um, then there's, of course, loads of herbs and stuff like that in it. So there's lots of um, common sage. There's lots of cedar and jasmine. Uh, it's absolutely crazy. And like 
when you open it, you can like smell all of these like oils and herbs and stuff like that. It's a really wild experience. Um, but we actually use that sacred glitter to put ash crosses on people's heads, mm-hmm. if they, like on people's foreheads, if they want to and kind of bless them like at bars or even queer events. Um, so if you ever see someone at a queer event walking around with an ash cross on their head, there's probably a sister nearby. <laughs> and glitter. <laughs> and, yeah, there's there's also a glitter aspect to it too. Um, but I will tell you a lot of times it's more so ash than it is glitter. <laughs> Good, because... Good. Yeah. <laughs> That's really neat. Yeah. Have you had... Now this is... The witch part. Okay. What are some challenges you've had from family or locals? Are you out? Yeah. Um, well, so it's weird. Um, my family is not specifically religious, but they are super spiritual. Um, like, I mean, I grew up doing smoke cleansing and kind of doing witchy traditions without realizing it was specifically witchy. Um, like we did, every, I remember with my grandma on my dad's side, every winter we would do pomanders. Oh. And I had no idea that uh, what, what a pomander was. I just knew that mama was sitting down with a bag of oranges and a bag of cloves and we were making Christmas ornaments. Like that's, that's what we did. Yeah, <laughs> um, me too. Yeah. And then like, Mama had like a Yule log. She didn't call it a Yule log, but it was always like the biggest kind of log for like the wood pile that year. And she would light it on Yule and have it burn all night. And she, like we, like all of the kids would sleep in the living room, which is where the fireplace was, and just kind of like talk and like share stories and read books and stuff. Like it wasn't, we didn't even really think about it. Um, and then like my other grandma on my mom's side um like used Ouija boards and mm. smoke cleansed. Yeah, the Ouija board part was isn't my favorite. <laughs> um <laughs> but like and specifically it wasn't my favorite because she would use Ouija boards with children around without really explaining oh. what a Ouija board was or what she was doing. Um but she would do smoke cleansings and um like talk to spirits and she did like she would go to fortune tellers to have her palm read and have tarot read. And like, it wasn't atypical for my family. It's just, there was always kind of like a Christian veil put over everything, um, which adds a very interesting layer to it. Cause I am not Christian in any way, shape or form now. Um, but whenever you go to a Christian church and talk about doing like smoke cleansings and using Ouija boards, uh, hmm. you get a lot of weird looks, especially if you're going to a Southern Baptist church. Yeah. <laughs> I can imagine. Yeah. So like, it's, it's not something that I've ever really like said out loud. Um, but I mean, I've talked to like, and even my stepmom, my, my stepmom is even, which, well, I wouldn't say witchy. She's spiritual because she calls herself spiritual. Um, but she sees spirits and she does smoke cleansing too. And like, whenever I talk to her about like the spirits that I've seen and kind of the stuff that I've experienced, she doesn't give me that look that people give you whenever you're talking about ghosts and stuff. Um, and so it's never something that I've like 
blatantly had to say. Um, and usually like the most that I've really encountered is like, I wore, I have a shirt that says uh, resting witch face and I wore it to go visit my dad and my stepmom. And my stepmom just like read it and she gave me a wink and she was like, I like your shirt. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I was like, you know, you know what it says. You, you know, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's been a wonderful experience. Like, and it, it hurts my heart whenever I see people who are like, I'm in the broom closet and I don't have like anyone to support me. Cause thankfully that's not something that I've ever had to experience, but I know what it's like to not be out and to not have those, those support systems as like a queer person. Um, and so it's, it's wonderful to see Facebook communities like the WBAH podcast Facebook group. Cause it's, kind of a sly way to have those support systems without specifically outing yourself. And I think that's just absolutely wonderful. Now, were you raised as a Christian or were you raised as, uh, I don't want to say which because it doesn't seem like your family claims that title, but. Yeah. Um, So it's, we went to like me and me, my mom and my brother, um, and then her subsequent husbands went to church for a little bit. Um, I think maybe we tried the church route for about a year and a half. Um, it didn't really stick. It wasn't really for us. Um, and then whenever I was a teenager, um, I tried really hard to kind of do the whole pray the gay away thing. Um, and tried to be like a good Christian so that God could fix me like that kind of stuff. Um, did not stick. (laughs) Um, and it was not for me. Um, but I've always had a level of kind of witchery around. We weren't really raised religious, like me and my brother. Um, we were raised kind of just doing traditions, um, without really understanding the source of those traditions. Um, like for example, with the story. Yeah. Hit me. Yeah. Yeah. So like, (laughs) I, I remember, um, like, I mean, we grew up smudging with white, with white sage. Um, that was something that we just did. We didn't really know why it was just part of clean, like it was part of cleaning the house. So like, and it wasn't like every Saturday, whenever we cleaned, it was just like, to us, it seemed kind of random, but we would like get done cleaning like our physical spaces on like a Saturday afternoon. And then our mom would come through with like a stick of white sage and just kind of like go around the corner, the top corners of the rooms and just like kind of muttering. And we didn't really think anything about it. Cause it was just like something that mom did. And we, but we knew not to talk about it. Like that was, that was the thing. Cause we knew that like, for whatever reason, people like in our community and in our society would just like, look at us weird. So it was always a level of like understanding. And actually, <laughs> so, um, if, I think my mom realized very early that me and my brother are both uh, connected or mediums or what have you. Um, because so my grandpa, I, and I don't mean to laugh, but it was like, I'm just thinking about like how she reacted when we told her um, <laughs> my grandpa died when I was like seven or eight. Um, and I remember 
like the way that we would do things because like my mom went to school and she worked nights so she would be asleep whenever me and my brother were getting ready for school and we would have to go wake her up and so my brother would get up go get ready and then he would come wake me up he would go back to bed and then i would get ready for school and then when it's over once i was done i would wake him up and then we would together go to wake my mom up so she could take us and so <laughs> i remember one morning i was just about done getting ready. I was brushing my teeth. And to give you an idea, like we lived in a trailer literally in the middle of nowhere. Like our closest neighbor was maybe like a mile down the road. And like the closest grocery store was 45 minutes away. So like we did Goals. like, yeah, it, yeah, it was, it was crazy. Um, like we, we could walk outside and watch the mountains change color during the seasons. Like, that's that was what we grew up in um and so i was getting ready for school and uh i was brushing my teeth and the lights flickered not necessarily an uncommon thing because we lived in the middle of nowhere um but i felt kind of this like cold chill go up my spine and i just knew that something was happening and so i like look out into like the living room and kitchen because the way that our trailer lined up like if you looked down the hallway you could see mm -hmm. through the living room through the kitchen and kind of like yeah. to the other bedroom at the end of the trailer i grew up in a trailer too <laughs> yeah perfect <laughs> um and so like as i'm looking kind of like down the house um i watch as the light on our microwave that's like facing me i watch it kind of slowly fade out of existence and fade back in like some kind of like shadow had walked in front of it and it freaked me out like it freaked me out and so I, like toothpaste still like in my mouth i like run into my bedroom with my brother and i'm like shane 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 there's something there's something in the house and my brother who's like still like asleep he's like Oh, it's probably the dogs just running around outside. Like, just finish getting ready and don't wake me up again. <laughs> it was like, it's like Shane. No, there's something inside the house, and he was like, "Corey, it's the dogs. Shut up." And I was like, "But, but, but, okay, I, okay, that's fine." And so I just like go over to my dresser, and I'm like pulling clothes out to like put on and stuff, and I feel this like ice cold hand just like rest on my shoulder. Like someone was standing behind me and like, I'm getting cold chills thinking about it. And, <laughs> and, and I like got dressed as quickly as possible and like spit out the, cause I was still holding toothpaste in my mouth at this point too, <laughs> but, like spit out the toothpaste. And I had this little like, like a uh, Batmobile from like Batman and Robin um, that had like a little light on the front of it. And I drove it like down into the kitchen and then back up. And I did that like about five or six times until my brother was finally like, you're getting on my nerves. Let's just go wake up mom and she can take us to school. And like the first thing I did as a kid, I was like, oh my God, mommy, guess what happened? There was someone in the house, uh, which through my mom who was in criminal, like she was taking criminal justice classes. Oh no, my mom she went into, into true like, crime land. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so she like quickly just like walked through the trailer. Nothing was obviously there and was like, someone was in or someone was outside the house. And I was like, someone was inside the house. And she's like, well, was it your granny? And I was like, no, it was a shadow. 
And my mom just kind of like looked at me and like gave me a nod and just kind of like, all right, get in the car. Let's go. We're not going to play with this anymore. And then (laughs) uh, that Saturday we did the smudging of the trailer. And I, I never made any connection with it as a kid because I was just like, oh, this is something we do all the time. But it was because I had told her about the shadow person that was walking through the house. And it's like just uh, crazy. That's a good story. Yeah, <laughs> I have, I have, I have so many good. Like, if if you want to, I can go directly into like how me, my brother, and my mom saw the same shadow people for years and didn't know about it. Oh, you mean each like separately? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So um, we, my parents were obviously divorced. Um, my dad lived in a trailer on my grandmother's property, like right next door to her. Um, and my brother and I both would talk about like independently, we would bring up um, a man in a top hat and a little girl in a white dress. That was just a fact. Like there was, there were these entities that lived either on the property or nearby um, that we both just knew about, like kind of, it almost feels instinctual because we've known about it for so long um that it's not something we've ever really questioned and so um whenever i was about i want to say 10 my brother moved in with my mom and so i was staying with dad and he was staying with mom and i remember having a series of nightmares where something was trying to get inside of the house oh no and i didn't know what it was but i would have to run from front door front window back door back to front door, front window, back door. And like, realistically speaking, this is maybe like 20 feet apart. So it's not really anything big, but the issue is, is that the thing outside got faster and got smarter as the dream would go on. Yeah. Like, so there's, there's this level of consciousness to it. And then every time the nightmare would end would be right. Whenever I got to a place where the door or the window was just opening and I had almost gotten to it, but it wasn't quite in time. And I would wake up in a cold sweat. And so thanks for that. Great. Thanks. You're welcome. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> my bad. Even at, like in the notes, in the notes, whenever I was I'm in a small whenever closet by myself. It, right. Oh no. <laughs> like whenever, whenever I was talking about, like whenever I was typing it out, um, at one point I put, talk about the man in the top hat. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> my back's um, to the door. <laughs> oh no. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, so I was telling, I was telling my mom and my brother about that. Cause I was just like, like we were kind of like lamenting about like ghost stories that we all have kind of independently. And my brother was like, Oh yeah, I had the same dream. Oh no. And I just looked at him and was like, we have, we have lived on this earth for 15 years after I had that dream. And you didn't tell me you had that dream. Like you've had, you've, you've known of consciously about this dream for like 20 years and you didn't tell me. And he was like, well, I just thought it was a dream. Like it wasn't a big deal. And then my mom goes, Oh yeah, no, that land's completely haunted. Like it's, it's cursed. <laughs> <laughs> and we both just look at her and we're like, we're like, I'm sorry, what? And she was like, Yeah, there was like my so my grandma's from England, um, and she would go to England pretty frequently, and uh, well, she would go to England pretty frequently 
pre 9-11 after 9-11 obviously like she was older and it was just harder for her to go through like tsa and stuff like that and then also be on a plane for like 12 hours um but my mom would watch my grandma's house um while my grandma was in england and so lived in the same trailer right next to my grandma and she was like, yeah, one night I was watching her grandma's house and some dude like just walked up onto her patio and was trying to get into her back door. So I called the cops because I didn't know what to do at that point because I was alone with you two boys. And when the cops came, there was no one there. Like there was no signs of breaking in or there was no signs of breaking and entering. It was just kind of the house was by itself. And she was like, so I just kind of like chalked it up to maybe I was imagining things until the next night the exact same thing happened again and it was it looked like the same guy and she was like but i was not going to kind of mess around with it i would just grab my flashlight and was going to confront him because i mean we're, we're a family <laughs> of hunters like we all have okay. guns like it's just a thing <laughs> okay. and so my mom like got a flashlight and a gun and just like walked up to my grandma's house and there was nothing there and so my mom getting freaked out that like there may have been someone in the woods or something called the cops again oh no but by that point the cops are like, okay, well, we need to call your husband because something is actually going on with you and we need to make sure <laughs> oh, you're okay. Yeah. That lovely idea. So they call my dad, who was at work at the at that time. And so he rushes home and he's like, What are you talking? Like, what is, what's going on? Like, you keep calling the cops about there's someone here. Like, what what are you what are you seeing? And she tells him, and my dad is not a denier, but he specifically does not want to believe like he he knows that stuff happens but he doesn't want to hear about it kind of stuff um and so he completely denied it and was like no becky that's not a th- becky's my mom's name no becky that's not a thing um just stop calling the cops whenever you see stuff like that just make sure the doors are locked and you'll be fine and i think that that's where the consciousness came in is making sure the doors are locked and you'll be fine because my dad said that to my mom and so now whatever this entity was thinks that we think we are only safe if the doors are locked. Uh, and whenever like mom told us about that, the room just got real quiet and we were just like all staring at each other. And I was like, <laughs> well, would have been great if I knew that before. <laughs> <laughs> and like, I mean, even since then, um, like within the last like seven or eight months, Uh, Me and my brother have both had dreams about that entity. Um, Mine kind of followed a similar similar pattern, just in a different house. And mine's even like in a house that I've never seen before. Um, And so I'm like sitting on a couch with one of my partners, um, who I don't know at that point, because this person is kind of a stranger to me. And we both go up to bed, like we go upstairs to bed. And as we're laying down, my partner looks at me and he goes, Hey, did you lock the front door? Oh no. And I'm like, Oh shit, I don't think I did. Let me just go downstairs really quickly and I'll lock it. And the front door for some reason is like at the foot of the stairs. And so like, as I'm walking down the stairs, I see that the door is just a little bit ajar. I and it. I run down the stairs and close it. And as I'm closing it, I can see like on the other side of the door, there's a figure. And so I close it and I lock it. And then like, there's a window kind of nearby 
that like looks out onto our front porch. And I like look out the window and there is the same entity, like the man in the top hat who looks at me and like shrugs. And it like the, the impression that I got in the dream is, well, you slipped up once I can, I can get in again. I don't like like, it. My stomach hurts now. Right. Right. And like, (laughs) I, like I'm sweating right now thinking about it. Um, (laughs) Like, and it's, it's stuck with me like hard. Like I, I didn't wake up in a cold sweat like a norm, like I used to, but I remember like waking up the next morning and I vividly remembered that dream. Like every detail of it. it. I did not like it. And my brother had like two or three weeks later had a similar dream, but the entity was inside the house and my brother tried to confront him hmm. and like essentially it was essentially just like a ragdoll fighting a, a, like a hurricane. Like it did made no difference. Like the entity didn't care about my brother. And so, so how does this affect your witchcraft? Yeah, it um, definitely, it leads really heavily into like my daily practices. Um, Every day I re-up my wards. Um, like that's really just something. Yeah, every day. Like every day. I mean, if I, I had that crap, if I had that crap following me, I guess I would too. <laughs> yeah. Um, like so, every night before I go to sleep, it's kind of just like a little thing for myself. Um, I do like a visualization, meditation kind of thing, um, and I have. The amount of incense in this apartment right now would, if I were to lit it all, you would think this this piece was on fire, like that kind of stuff. Um, uh, but I, I do pretty much weekly smoke cleansings. Um, that currently has kind of waned, um, just because here, like I moved uh, cities about six months ago, and in the move, my altar actually got broken. Oh no. Um, yeah. And so I've been on the search for a new altar for a while now. Um, I will tell you like, but it's, I'm weird because I, <laughs> with altars, I'm very specific in that I don't want to just like go out and buy a table. Like I want, I want too something. To, right. right. <laughs> like, no, no darling. I can't do that. It's too pedestrian. Like, <laughs> like I want it. I want something to call out to me. You know what I mean? And so, and I'm, I'm having more and more difficulty with it, but also it's like kind of making my practice suffer. Um, Cause it's now been six months and I haven't been able to find an altar. Um, so I think this is the universe being like, you need to stop being snobby. A table's a table. I what you put on it is with the matters. universe. <laughs> i mean mine is just the shelf on it yeah. one of those 30 dollar walmart yeah uh it's the top shelf on the 30 dollar walmart bookshelf yeah <laughs> but <laughs> i understand the importance of getting what you need to be able yeah. to get into the feeling of it right and i've i've even so like my previous altar was um it used to be a computer desk that i used um and it just it seemed to always collect my witchy stuff and I could never figure out why. And then one day I was just like, I'm taking my computer off of this and I'm just using it as an altar. Like clearly that's what this is supposed to be. Mm -hmm. And that alone has been the best experience. And then it broke in the move. Um, That makes me suspicious. 
Right. Um, and so I, I still have the frame of it because it was like, it was essentially, it was a press wood kind of situation. So like it was a metal frame with just like press wood inlays. Mm-hmm. And I've kind of considered just like going to Lowe's and being like, Hey, can Paying you cut me out a piece of wood? $7,000 for some wood. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or even, or even just like glass for now. And then like using just like a glass top for the top part. And then like. Ikea. I'll- Good Ikea. The the closest IKEA to me is like three hours away, oh, and I that like is always. yeah, and like I, I drive like a Kia Soul, um, so like I could probably make some stuff fit, but I'm also like, Ooh. so yeah, like I I haven't been able to kind of practice with an altar um, for the past six months. I, I was actually like using this weekend to try to find an altar, and I was unfortunately unsuccessful. Mm. So yeah. But we'll find it. We'll we'll figure something out. <laughs> what would so is the was the saging was that your first experience with witch, with witchcraft? Or yeah, just being um, in the like the Yule log room. So I would have. Ooh, actually, that's kind of a hard one. Um, I would have to say probably the saging would be the first experience. Um. But the one that I like, the one that sticks out the most to me is kind of making pomanders with my grandma and um, like the Yule log stuff. Just because we did those, like it was a special treat almost. Ceremonial. Yeah, like it felt more ritualistic um, because we would, so it was like the beginning of December, we would make pomanders and then of course they would dry out over like the month. Um, And then part of the Yule log is we would like throw the pomanders into the fire with the Yule log. I was hoping you would say that. That sounds amazing. It's it's so good. It's like, and I've like, there's no way to recreate that smell because it's specifically like dried orange, but the orange is dried with clove. And like, that sounds great. Oh, it's delicious. (laughs) Like it's, it's so good. So what about, what is your first witchcraft experience when you officially decided I'm a witch and this is what I'm going to do? Um, oh, so that, that's kind of happened a couple of times in my life, um, where I've been like, I'm a witch. This is what I'm going to do. Um, the most recent iteration. And I think the most impactful one, um, was I started really kind of making things for myself and, um, I started making candles um, for myself, just like specifically for practice and they're soy candles. So they'll melt kind of quickly. Um, and I'll actually, I'll send you a picture of it. I have, I was listening to witch bitch amateur hour while I was doing this. And it was like specifically, um, a full moon candle is what I was making. And so I like made it, I sat it out in the moonlight, um, overnight to cure. And then I burned it over like the course of three or four weeks. Like I burned it every night. And the last night of it burning, um, I was kind of like re-listening to the most recent episode of Witch Bitch Amateur Hour, and it was going over Hecate. Um, And so I was listening to it, and I was just kind of like off in my own head, and I look over at the wall behind this candle that I'm burning, and I realized that the shadow looks really weird. And like the dripping, like the drippings itself had kind of like fallen in a weird pattern and kind of built up in different places that I, and I'd never seen it before. And so 
I was just kind of curious and I like brought out my phone and the flashlight and I like shined my flashlight on one side of the candle and let the shadow kind of clearly hit the wall. And it looks like a woman standing over a cauldron with a dog on the other side. Well, yeah. well, yeah. And then I, and that's when I you was, decided. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's when I was like, I'm following Hecate. And then I thought about it and like, there's been this weird coincidence my entire life that I've always lived at a three crossroads. Hmm. Like always like minus maybe once or twice whenever I lived like out in the boonies, but I've always lived within like spitting distance of a three crossroads. And I was like, you know what? We're just going to lay into it. We're into it. Let's go. Let's do it. I'm, I'm down for it. Um, but yeah, that was kind of, that was my first big, like that was the first point in which I was like, I'm going to do this thing whenever I started making candles. And then right after that happened, I got my Hecate dripping. And essentially from then on, I've kind of, I've always practiced. I've had lulls of course and stuff like that. Um, but I've never, I haven't stopped since that point. Um, and I think that's been kind of like the most rewarding thing. Cause I think like, especially as someone who has ADHD, like I'm really bad about kind of like hobby collecting, I guess. Like that's what I call it. Yeah. Um, and so I'll like get into a thing really, really hard and then I'll fall out of it really quickly and then I won't ever pick it back up. And I did that for a long time in my childhood and kind of like in my early adulthood with witchcraft. But now I'm like intentionally and purposefully kind of doing the thing. Um, and it's made a huge difference in my life, which has been amazing. So I have a question for you mm -hmm. brought on by what you just told me. Okay. The, do you feel like the witch bitch amateur hour sort of solidified your intent to really get into witchcraft? Oh yeah. 1000%. Me too. What is yeah. that? <laughs> I have no idea. Well, I honestly, They're I think magic. Yeah, like I, I legitimately think it's because of the way that they approach things. Because I think a lot of times in the witchcraft community, you get these kind of moments of people who are like, I've been practicing for 15 millennia and I know I'm so much better than you and you always have to be perfect. And like Charlie and Macy are just people. Like they're like, yeah, no, we're going to fuck up. And when we fuck up, call us on it and we'll fix it but we're amateurs. This is what we do. And I think that that like admission of the fact that they're amateurs and kind of recognizing that is what makes WBAH podcast group and community so amazing because like it, it gives you the ability to, it gives you the ability to fuck up. And if you fuck up, that's okay, but just do your best to correct it. Yeah, but what are they doing that is making everybody stick with it? Because I have been oh. practicing since I was in my teens, like actively, <laughs> but I don't ever stick with it until I started listening to them. It's real weird. Yeah. I Honestly, I didn't even think about that too. Yeah. What are you guys doing to us? <laughs> <laughs> they have sigils that they put on every single like, How episode. Dare you? How dare you? <laughs> consent. You have my consent, but what the hell? <laughs> Well, whenever you click play, would that okay? Be that's a point. Point. <laughs> Touche. <laughs> I love it. 
What is your biggest struggle when it comes to witchcraft? Um, it's ironic that you asked that after saying that. Uh, my biggest struggle is actually the routine of it um, and kind of actually feeling like I am a witch. Um, I.e. imposter some- syndrome? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah, pretty much it. Because um, a lot of times, like when people talk about like deity work and ritual work, they kind of lay into this. Like with deities, you always have to recognize them on the fifth Sunday of every third month, and there's always what? like right, <laughs> right. Like it's it's very kind of like specific. And then with rituals, it's like you have to do this exact thing, and like that's. That's not who I am. Is it just like a person I just can't in general? Do rituals, right, well, and and that's why I say it. Like I'm, I'm just like that's not who I am. Like I, if you tell me that I have to do X, Y, and Z in order for my intention, are to you go a out no person? Huh? Are you a no person? What does that mean? I don't know what that means. Okay, you know how Charlie was like, I'm going to do it just because you told me no. I'm going to do it. Oh yeah, I'm that person. Me too. Yeah. <laughs> I can't help it. I really can't help it. Like I don't want to help it. <laughs> right. Like, like and like if you're if you're telling me something that like I ha- like I need to do for like my own health, like sure, I'm down for it whatever. I might But be. like well, yeah, maybe. That's true. Well, that's fair. But like if you tell me that like I have to do something specifically in witchcraft, I'm like first and foremost, you don't know who I am as a person. You don't know my power. Like, no, you sit down somewhere. You don't know me. Right? You don't know me. Um, And then, like, at that point, I will purposely do do the thing you said that I can't do if I don't do it the specific way just to spite you. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And it'll be Um, a success. What? (laughs) Exactly. Um, And so, like, that's kind of, like, my biggest struggle is, like, that imposter syndrome feeling, but also, like, the routine of it. Like... I can't just like sit down and meditate for three hours. Oh my God. I know. I know people. Can you do anything for three hours? I can't. No, no. (laughs) Like you're, listen, you're lucky. Besides a lot of things. (laughs) Right. Like, like I, I can sit down and talk to someone if we're having a conversation for like forever and not even realize the time is passing. But the second that I intentionally sit down to essentially do nothing, it's not going to work. Lord. It's not going to work. <laughs> what would you say is your worst witchcraft experience? Oh, okay. Interpret um, that any way you want. Yeah. So, um, this this is kind of funny. So there's that too. Good because you've already terrified me. Yeah. No. No. no yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> which is funny. Like I put the terrifying stuff in like the oh this isn't that bad, and then like I put the funny stuff in like this is my worst experience. <laughs> um, so I have a couple of experiences. The one of the iterations of me, kind of like pursuing witchcraft. Um, my friend was dealing with a breakup, and was just like feeling really down and stuff like that. And I did kind of like a new witch faux pas where I like quickly searched some herbs for kitchen witchery stuff. And I decided that I was going to make them a meal. The spices I chose were cinnamon and cayenne. I don't know why. And I decided I was going to make them a steak. Oh. The steak was very fatty. Yeah. I think I know where we're going. I 
was in the middle of making the steak, and I had essentially created aerosolized pepper spray. Yep. And we had to evacuate. Like, in a, I was living in a dorm at this time, like in college. Oh, oh <laughs> so we, gosh. We, had, we had to evacuate the kitchen. <laughs> And like my friend, bless her heart, I don't know how she did it. She still ate the steak. Aww. And I was like, "You're so sweet. Please don't eat that." And she was like, "No, I'm gonna eat it." And I was like, "No, please don't." And she was like, "Nope, I'm eating it." And just like dug into it. And I was like, "Girl, you are brave. I could not do it. Like, nope." (laughs) (laughs) Did it Um, work? I don't necessarily know if it was specifically the meal or if it was just the fact that I had done something super ridiculous and it made her laugh. <laughs> um, I'm going to lean more on that. I did something super ridiculous and it just made her laugh. Um, so it worked, but not in the way I intended it to. <laughs> um, but your intent worked. Yeah, it did. Yeah. I just not in the way the that universe heard you and said, I don't know yeah. what you're doing, but here, <laughs> <laughs> Listen, sweetie, you're trying real hard. We're just going to throw you a bone here. Like you, you went about it the wrong way, but hell was paved with good intentions, I guess. <laughs> Ken and I have both done that. Huh? Oh no, because he, he loves hot peppers. Oh no, but he doesn't seem to understand how heat works. I don't know. Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> And then one time I was cooking and I didn't pay attention and there was a pepper pod like under the thing. Yeah. And I was like, what the hell? I'm not using, why am I coughing? I'm not using pepper. Right. (laughs) I was so angry. Luckily that was when we lived in a place with a swamp cooler. Do you know how those work? No. Okay. Basically it's a, just ignore. We had a giant fan in one bedroom Okay. That and then you crack the windows around the rest of the house and it blows air out. Oh, so okay, gotcha. we tr- I turn that thing on high. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, I've also had this fun experience. So, like, I have what I lovingly call a follower. Um, it is not man in the top hat. This is like a whole other thing. Um, but they're a shadow person. Um, and it's kind of like always hung around my entire life. Um. A lot of queer people are in tuned to spiritual stuff, even if they don't necessarily understand it. And I had a gentleman caller over and I live by myself. Like I've, I've lived by myself for about a year now and my bedroom door is open. Cause once again, I live alone. And at one point during the act, uh, he gets like real awkward and he's like, um, is there someone here? And I just looked at him. I was like, no, like I live alone. And he just like looks back over at the door, like into the hallway. And I was like, we can close my door if you want to. And he was like, yeah, let's, let's close your door. I was like, okay, cool. (laughs) So I closed the door. And then like, after everything was said and done, like me and him are friends. So like, it wasn't like an awkward thing or anything. I was like, Hey, so you were seeing a shadow person, weren't you? And he was like, yeah, the, I just saw something like walk down the hallway and it just freaked me out really bad. And I was like, yeah, I should have told you about that. I'm sorry. That's just, <laughs> that's just that happens here. <laughs> that's just them. Just yeah. Fred. It's just my follower. It's, it's, it's fine. <laughs> I apologize. I know that voyeurism isn't for everyone. So. <laughs> <laughs> what do you, 
is something you wish was more discussed in the witchcraft community? Um, so I'm going to preface this statement with a couple of things. Closed practices are closed practices, and we should respect those cultures. And two, if something says that it is poisonous, do not eat it. I don't care what your intention says. However, <laughs> those two warnings aside, um, I think that one of the big things that we should really discuss more is while research is important, our own intuition is also pretty accurate a lot of the times. Um, so like, we all have like a gut feeling, right? Like you can kind of just like feel if something is right or wrong. Yeah. That's, I think that that's really instinctual. And like, as someone who's practicing witchcraft, um, we should listen to that more. Like our, our bodies and kind of like our own spirit or soul or whatever you want to call it, like our own energy is telling us if something is right or wrong. Like if the vibe is off, you're going to know, right? <laughs> and so I think that listening to that and learning to listen to that is super important. Um, because our, our intuition is there. Like sometimes we have to exercise it and we have to kind of stretch it and work with it. Um, but self doubt, I think is something that a lot of witches deal with just kind of silently because we're so focused on our intention and trying to make sure that our intention is correct, that we will self doubt ourselves out of that intention or into a different intention that we don't necessarily mean to. So like, if you feel something in your bones, like go for it. If it's like, if it's not mentioned in a ritual or in a spell, just do it because your intention is there. Like, you know what you're trying to do. And then your intuition is telling you that you should add something or take away. Once again, like assuming that maybe like, like if you're making like a calming tea for yourself, you wouldn't put belladonna in it. Obviously (laughs) like we don't want to poison ourselves, but like that intuition I think is super important to listen to and kind of nurture that aspect. And I'm not saying like intuition for like divinity purposes, but just like, like that knowing feeling that everyone has, I think is super important and recognizing that and not doubting yourself. I feel like that's not talked about nearly enough. And how it's punished out of us. in school. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like, well, I don't feel like something's right, so I'm Too not. Too bad. You do have it. to go to school. <laughs> right. Exactly. Right. Exactly. You have to get on this bus. Right. That will like, eventually the tire's going to fall off. But <laughs> right. Exactly. Like, or like even people like like I have a bad feeling about this place. Yeah. Oh, I've been oh, here so you're, many times. You're being you're ridiculous. Right. Like I've been here so many times. Like this is a fun place. Let's just go inside and have fun. And it's like, no, like, I'm telling you, I have a bad feeling about this place. We should not be here. And then, like, someone's ex shows up who is, like, mm-hmm. a, an abusive piece of crap. And it's like, well, fuck my intuition, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> who are the, who would you consider the three most influential people in your practice? Can I cheat a little bit on this one? You may. Okay. I'll allow it. Because <laughs> I think you already know where I'm going to go with this. <laughs> I um, did glance it. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and also, like, what I wrote down isn't even necessarily accurate because I thought of more people. Um, so, <laughs> um, so I would say the WBAH podcast. 
Um, so Charlie and Macy, I'm going to count that as one person. Me as too, because I was thinking about this question for myself and yeah. they're just one. <laughs> right. Um, and then the WBAH podcast Facebook group. Um, so both of those kind of together, I'm not counting as one. I'm counting those as two separate things because they are very much two separate things. Um, the ritual of like always listening to WBAH on Wednesdays combined with even just like the passive involvement that I have on the Facebook group, like as I'm scrolling through like my Facebook feed, I'll just like randomly see something witchy and nine times out of 10, it's like the Facebook group. Yeah. (laughs) And I'm like, like that kind of always keeps witchcraft kind of in the forefront of my mind, which really does help. And it does change a lot of things about how I practice. Um, And the third person is actually going to be my friend uh, Jasper. He um, he's also from Appalachia, um, and we have a lot of similarities in a lot of our backgrounds. But also, like, whenever I want to talk about something witchy, a lot of times he's the first one to come to mind, just because like we're from very similar regions, um, and like he's kind of been someone that I lean on kind of like for spiritual guidance, I guess you could say um, just because of kind of all of the conversations that we've had um, and kind of we've done, I think we've done a couple of rituals together. I feel like we've done a couple of rituals together. Um, and he's honestly one of like the most level-headed people that I've met. Um, so it's, it's amazing to kind of have that person like in your corner, so to speak. So between the WH WBAH podcast and the podcast group and then him. Like I feel pretty solid. And of course, like, God, I have so many people too now that I'm thinking of that I'm like, well, I didn't mention this person or this person or this person. So I'm like, top five. Go. Top five. Oh yes. <laughs> You're awesome. Um so <laughs> I have a close friend uh who lives in the same city as me, um, who is also witchy. Um and we've known each other for forever, it feels like. And so anytime like I'm kind of experiencing something or something like that, um, I'll even talk to them about it and I'll just be like, Hey, this thing happened. And <laughs> one time I was, uh, I, I feel as though I was being hexed by someone and they were like, all we need is a jar, a name on a piece of paper and a couple nails and we can get rid of it. <laughs> I was like, Oh, Okay. All right, let's go. <laughs> um, so that is for, and honestly, so this is, I'm going to be that person. So I'm just going to go ahead and like, let you feel these feelings. You are legitimately like a huge part of it. Um, and the reason I say that is because, and I don't know that you know that this happened. Um, I, the first interaction that we really had, I reached out to you because I wanted to get like some sort of like something from your shop. Um, and I couldn't, I couldn't pick, um, so I was like, Hey, Kim, like, I have no idea what I want from your shop, but I want to support you. And I want something from your shop. I remember. Yeah. And you sent me this box of just like amazing stuff. Um, my favorite piece being like the stag beat. I think it's a stag beetle with, uh, Oh, synthetic opal. Well, it's beautiful. I love it. That's one There's of my a favorite fancy name for it, but I don't remember what it is either. Yeah. Um, it's, one of the most beautiful pieces that I have. And I love that thing. 
Um, I love so, seeing you wear it. <laughs> I, I, I love it so much. I, I, a lot of times I wear it for sister stuff. I know. That's um, I love it. <laughs> yeah. And it makes me so happy. Um, me too. So yeah. And like, and at the time, like I wasn't very vocal about it, like in general, cause I'm not one of those people for whatever reason, but I was kind of like going through a, like a tough time, like in life at that point. Um, so it made a huge difference for you to like sit down with me and kind of like curate that little box and send it out to me. So yeah, huge, huge props. That was, mm. that was awesome. So not to make you cry, please don't cry. <laughs> Cause then I'll I'm cry. not having a cry day. Apparently. Okay. Just perfect. Feel good perfect. Today. Good. Good. <laughs> but those are my top five people. Oh, <laughs> that makes me feel real weird when people say me. <laughs> <laughs> Because I feel just like a stooge, generally. <laughs> I'm not even going to lie. Whenever you asked me to interview you, or when you asked me to be interviewed, I was like, why? I don't do anything special. I'm just I'm just on Twitter. <laughs> what? I'm just the tweeter. I don't know why. But, but everybody has stories. And you yeah, have definitely. an interesting viewpoint that I don't have. Yeah, that's very true. That I'll never have. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, are you ready for? I think you probably already know what these are. Oh, I forgot about this. Actually, mm-hmm. who would you like to see on the show? <laughs> um, so I'll be honest with you. I think, I think their name is Casey from the Waba Facebook group. The one who does this monthly spells. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would love to hear them and like hear about their practice. I think that would be wonderful. She's been Not on my like, list. I, huh? She's been on my list. Oh, perfect. I would like you to give me a recommendation for anything at all. Anything at all. Oh, oh. Um, I am looking around my room to find recommendations for things. <laughs> Ooh, music recommendation. Ooh, okay. Um, there's a group called Mystery Skulls. They're kind of like an EDM kind of dance music, EDM pop, I guess you could say. Um, They're like one of my favorite groups. Okay. Yeah. And finally, tell me your favorite story to tell people. Ooh, my favorite story to tell people. Let's see. You've gotten a lot of them, honestly. Uh, It doesn't have to be witchy, just anything in your life. Ooh. Okay. So this is, this is a cool one. Um, it is witchy, but so, <clears throat> and this is like in one of the lulls from, from witchcraft that I had, um, whenever I was younger. So I was working at McDonald's as like a snot nosed teenager. And I was working with someone who kind of like perpetually just had back issues. Um, she always had back pain and this one night it was just really bad. Like she was in tears crying because her back hurt so bad. And I wanted just like in my soul to give her some sort of reprieve from her back pain. Like, like I just, I, I felt the need to give her some sort of like relief. And so I was like, Hey, Cece, come over here and hug me real quick. And she's like, okay, whatever. And so like I hugged her and I remember putting my hands like one kind of like right where your rib cage ends, like at your spine and then one kind of up towards her shoulder blades. And I just remember hugging her and like in my mind, imagining 
energy like flowing down my arms and into my hands and like onto her back. And we were, we stood there for God, I don't know, like a minute or two. It was, it was a lot longer than most hugs usually are. Um, and when the hug broke, um, she was like, Holy shit, what the fuck did you do? <laughs> and I was like, what do you mean? And she was like, my back does not hurt anywhere as anywhere as bad as it did before the hug. So what did you do? And at the time, like I wasn't practicing witchcraft or anything like that. I was, it was just like an intention thing. And I was like, I mean, I didn't do anything. I just gave you a hug. And I like, I was just thinking about like wanting your back to stop hurting. And she's like, dude, I think you actually did something to me. And I was like, okay, whatever. Ha ha ha. And I like walked away. Cause I was like, I don't know what to do. <laughs> like, this is now weird. Okay. And like the next day, cause like we, we pretty much just like always worked the same shift <laughs> the next day. Like she came in and she like, like hugged me like a huge hug. And she was like, I don't know what sort of power you have. I don't know what the fuck you did to my back, but I have, I woke up this morning feeling amazing. So thank you for that. And like for a week, she talked about it. (laughs) Like she, like whenever she would see me, like, and like she was coming in and I'd like maybe gotten there before her. uh, She'd be like, there's my magic man. And like would hug me and would talk, like she talked about it for like a week to our coworkers. Um, And that was, that's like my favorite thing to think about is like anytime I'm having like a low moment in witchcraft or like a low moment, even in healing for specifically with witchcraft. I think about that and I'm like, you know what? Like I, I intentionally did it. Yes. But I didn't have to do anything special. So that's okay. I'm good. Like I've got this. Yeah. So yeah. What a good validating thing. Right. And it's like, it's such a weird experience. (laughs) (laughs) Now I definitely want you to hug me in fricking. And yes. Revenge. Yeah, I'm totally down. It's gonna, I'm going to be there. I'm going to. I'm. I will find a way to make it happen. <laughs> <laughs> like, just call in sick every day for like three days. Like I can't come in. <laughs> oh, that's the music behind. It's just the TV, the screaming. Everything's fine. <laughs> every, no, 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 no. Oh, you hear people chanting in the background. That's my. Uh, I'm playing music. Answering ha- machine. <laughs> Have you heard of Wardruna? It's just Wardruna. I'm playing it. I'm burning some incense. I'm trying to like get this stuff Clear out of me. Clear my throat. Right. My lungs. <laughs> <laughs> and then of course, like my boss would be like, is that a weed thing? That sounds like a weed thing. I'd be like, no, it's not a weed thing. I can't smoke. <laughs> well, thanks for coming on the show and yeah, telling me stories. You. Yeah. Thanks for having me. It's been a wonderful time. I guess I will see you on the internet. Yeah, I will see you there. And I will see you at Anahana's Purpose. We're speaking in I hope so. Nope. I mean, yes. Good. Yeah. That's exciting. Yeah. (laughs) We'll be be the the Rainbow Lodge. Yes. (laughs) Okay, well, bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of Your Average Witch. You can find us all around the internet on Instagram at Your Average Witch Podcast, Facebook at Facebook.com slash Your Average Witch Podcast, at YourAverageWitch.com, and at your favorite podcast service. Want to help the podcast grow? Leave a review. 
You can review us on Amazon and Apple Podcasts, and now you can rate us on Spotify. You just might hear your review read at the end of an episode. To rate Your Average Witch on Spotify, click the home key, click Your Average Witch Podcast, and then leave a rating. If you'd like to recommend someone for the podcast, like to be on it yourself, or if you'd like to advertise on the podcast, send an email to youraveragewitchpodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you next Tuesday.